Welcome to the Seeing Deep Podcast, where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. This month, we are doing an overhaul on our health, and we've talked about our physical health. And this week, just as last week, we're going to talk about our emotional health. We're continuing our discussion with Susie Eller this week, discussing her new book, Joy Keepers, and how to not just feel joy, but know joy in our everyday lives. Susie Eller is a best-selling author, co-host of the More Than Small Talk podcast, a wife, mama, and grandma, Gaga. Susie, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Oh, me too. I'm just, I can't wait to dive into this good stuff for everybody. Y'all are about to be blessed. (laughs) So the scripture for this episode is taken from Romans 12, verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Rejoice, be joyful again in hope. We have a hope that cannot be shaken. No one can take our our hope away except sometimes ourselves. Our hope Mm -hmm. is certain in Christ, and, and yet we can allow ourselves to focus on the worries and fading hopes of this world, which can steal our joy again. And we talked about the joy stealers in our last episode. So listen into that one for some tips on that. So Susie, the first truth you share on the journey of being a joy keeper is God cares about how you feel. Can you expound on that? Sure. You know, feelings are powerful indicators. Uh, When I allow myself permission to feel, And I understand that God not only cares about how we feel, he created us to feel. And when we look at scripture, we see Jesus often stepping into the midst of those battles with feelings. And he doesn't discount them. He acknowledges them. And so we do the same. When I say, you know, Lord, this is how I feel today. I feel sad. (laughs) I don't know how to fix this. I don't know what to do. What we're doing is, number one, we're acknowledging this is what I'm going through. This is how I feel. But secondly, we're inviting the Lord into the midst of those feelings for direction, for comfort, for uh, maybe insight on this is why we feel the way we do. And so those feelings are no longer something that we try to push down or we put a mask on or we try to pretend that we're stronger than we are in that moment. Um, And we redefine strength to allowing the Lord to step in there with us in that battle ring so that we can step out uh, a little stronger with his strength. Mm. And I love how you talk about also this becoming and who we're becoming in Christ, because I think oftentimes, you know, when you say God cares about how you feel, sometimes yeah. as we're becoming more like Christ, we can be a big mess and we don't really <laughs> think that we really can. And it's like, oh, how is this even true? You know, that yeah. I'm becoming like Christ. And I love uh, you talk about too that I feel like I will never be enough. And That is a word that I've camped around a lot because there's such joy in knowing that we can't be enough because Christ is enough. That's who we're trying to become like, and God is the one who's going to accomplish that work in us. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that truth number two, God is aware of who you are becoming. That's so valuable to us because, you know, 
the Joyce dealer in that can be that somehow I'm not like her or I'm not where I'm supposed to be, or maybe, you know, I'm not the person for this job. And when we realize that God is aware of who we are becoming, then we understand that, first of all, that he knows everything about mm. us. And we invite him into that relationship. And instead of trying to live for him, which is good, you know, we live with him. Yeah. And that's relationship. That's intimacy. And there, I, I, I share in there a few exercises that you do where you invite the Lord into how you are you know, your struggle of, and, and you invite the Lord in and you let him know, Father, this triggers me. And I think it's because of this, you know, mm. or Lord, these are the things that absolutely make me feel peaceful and at rest. Now, does he already know that? He does. But by sharing that with him and stopping and, and doing those exercises, we start to realize that this is a this is a walk in tandem with God who already knows who you're becoming. You know, Denise, years and years ago, when I was a young, angry, raised in a home that was um, fractious and hard and abusive, I could not have said to anybody that God put a Bible teacher inside of that young woman's heart mm. or that God put someone who was going to be um, a wife or a mama or a gaga or whatever, or a writer. I, I knew none of those things. He knew all of those things. And so as I give myself grace in those areas where I'm still learning and growing and messy and messy, <laughs> is I also open the door to the belief that there are more chapters to be written in my life and God is the one who holds the pen. And so I surrender and open and I'm open to that. So lots of grace and surrender and discovery in this truth. Mm. And we were talking about that in the episode from last week as well. But surrender is one of those things, you know, sometimes it looks like a defeat, you know, yeah. but it really is victory because it's that moment of finally realizing what was obvious to God yeah. <laughs> and not so obvious to us that we need him desperately. And I know yeah. my flesh is to strive in my own strength. That's my natural, and yet also to be timid yeah. and natural. An interesting combo. <laughs> but yeah. but God is like, he's just like, hey, I'm here. Like you said, we do life with him. And that's yes. where he's the one who's in control, not us. Us with him doesn't mean we try to tell God how to do things, <laughs> which brings us right. to the third truth. God is God, and you are not. And this <sighs> is such a relief, Yes. Yeah. Reflecting on his sovereignty gives me great joy. Can you tell us about this principle and how it relates to joy as well? Yeah. So we have a tendency to take on everything. And, and imagine a woman who is juggling all of the balls, you know, and she's afraid that if she drops a ball, that the whole world is going to fall apart. And so this gives us, again, permission to put down those things that really were never our role 
so that we could step into the role that God has for us. And this is exciting for me, honestly. It, and yet it's also some of the hardest decisions and choices I've made in my life. Mm. I, there are times that I sense God, the Holy Spirit inside of me saying, is this your job? Is this your role? Is this your assignment? And in my heart thinking, well, of course it is. <laughs> you know, Of course this is. And yet when I examine that and look at it, I see that my true assignment, I can't carry it out because I'm too busy being God in the lives of people mm-hmm. I love. I'm too busy being God in that area. And yet when I set it down, then I'm free to do what God has asked me to do and to do it fully and to do it with joy and to, you know, we set ourselves up for failure when we try to do what was never our role in the first place. And that's frustrating. Mm. I'm that girl juggling all those balls. How'd you know that? (laughs) (laughs) Because most of us, it's a natural inclination. I think as women, as strong women, to take mm-hmm. on the whole world. And, and I'll, I'll give just another example. You know, I, I do a podcast as well with um, Holly and Jennifer with More Than Small Talk. And I have realized that there are times when, um, as we're talking, that, that I have taken on something because I feel like it's a need And I have these two strong women that are not afraid to say, Suze, let us carry that. Let us do that, you know? And so I'm learning, I'm learning that it's not my job to fix all of social media. It's not my job to fix the whole world. It's not my job to put that person, you know, share a different perspective with them when they're not ready to hear it. Um, But that doesn't mean that, I don't play a role because I do, I do. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we need to put down some balls. Yeah. And really being sensitive to the Holy Spirit as well, because like you said, I mean, we may want to fix something, but God may have a different perspective (laughs) and likely does. (laughs) And it's Holy Spirit, Lord, what does this person need? Not what I think they need. What do they truly need? And yeah. So truth number four is God is your safe place. And this is probably one of my favorite ones of yours, because growing up, I tried so hard to make myself safe. I was this little girl. I remember with my family, when we'd go to the beach, they would all go in the ocean and I was too afraid. And I would stand at the edge Yeah. And just what was underneath those rocks? I didn't want to get (laughs) bitten by an octopus. Yeah. (laughs) Silly things that little... Think uh, riding the bicycle, you know, I still remember third grade walking my bicycle, you know, and there was just this safety. I'm going to keep myself safe. But, you know, later in adulthood, after I came to know Christ, I realized safety couldn't be my savior. Only Mm -hmm. Jesus could be. And so this truth is profound because everyone, there's an insecurity throughout our culture that people are trying to pacify with anything yeah. that will help them feel safe and they, they can maybe be joyful again. It's kind of hard to have joy if you don't feel safe. So, but it's how true. does the truth about God being your safe place help you find joy? 
So this word safe, if you look throughout scripture, and especially as you see Jesus talking about a shelter, a refuge, a safe place, mm. it all all transcends to this one word, rest, which was surprising to me. And this, this word rest, when he said to them, are you weary and heavy laden? Come to me and I will give you rest. And that scripture goes on, but in those, that, that portion of words, that word rest means deep to the bone, spiritual, emotional, and physical rest. Like this is rest that is a portion of his own strength and peace and all the characteristics of who he is given to us as a shelter. And so, but at the first of that verse, he says, if you're, if you're weary from labor, you know, or you're heavy laden, labor is finding ourselves in a place where we've kind of done this to ourselves like we've put such expectations on us on ourselves that we can never reach them or we have we have become a bully like our inner critic has become such a bully or a mean girl that we feel consistently criticized from our own selves but to be heavy laden is a burden someone else placed on you and that might be from the past that might be from another broken person who laid there burden on you because they were broken but what does he offer in both circumstances he offers rest deep to the bone spiritual physical emotional rest because what he does is he takes your burden and in exchange for it he gives you his yoke which is his teaching his example his love all that he has in exchange for that burden you've been carrying for far too long. Mm, such a place of peace <laughs> that I sense just in that. When you say to the bone, rest. Mm -hmm. So truth number five, you talk about God's goodness is greater. Yeah. This is such a simple yet profound truth that really has set me free, focusing on his goodness you know, his character, and it reaches into those hard places we've been talking about and gives us that security. We have a good God. But yeah. one thing you mentioned in this truth, number five, that section is about the shame culture. Uh, yes. Can you share on this? Sure. Well, a shame culture, and I know you, goodness, your message about shame is so powerful, mm -hmm. but a shame culture does this. We make a mistake or we sin or we fall short. So shame says we're bad, which leads to secret keeping and isolation, mm. which leads us to feel stuck, which makes us feel like we're either going to give up or walk away, which reinforces the message that we are bad. So that's the shame culture. And it's, it's, a, it's a culture that's still very alive in many parts of the world today. But it's also, it's inherent sometimes in our own thought life. So this is, this is the truth to come against this shame culture. And Paul said it. Loved, Jesus loved us while we were yet dead in our sins. And I want to stop there for a minute because we have to think about that. When did Jesus love us? Right. When we got better, when we did the right thing, when we, when we cleaned up all the mess? No, Jesus loved us while we were yet dead 
in our sins. So if we make that mistake, we sin, and he loves us while we were yet dead in our sin, and shame says we're bad, we confront that with this truth. God's goodness is greater, which leads to transparency, which leads to healing, which leads to hope, which reveals our true identity in Christ, which draws us closer to Christ, which unfolds his goodness and healing in our life. So God's goodness is greater. Instead of turning away from you, Lord, I'm going to turn towards you. Mm. And therein, shame is not only going to be broken, but I'm going to, re- I'm going to understand whose I am. And that changes the course of my life. Amen. And there's therefore now no condemnation because the only one who could condemn us in his yeah. goodness chose not yeah. to. Yeah, so we exchange condemnation for connection. Mm. One leads us to feeling stuck and isolated and hiding. The other leads us to transparency and a secret free life and a life where there's healing and wholeness. Amen. So the final truth here, God has a seat for you. Now, there's many more truths than just six, but there's six core truths. And this gives me joy just to consider that He has a purpose and a plan for each one of us that is personal for each one of us. Yeah. Yeah. So what can happen in the midst of, let's say, a year called scarred? Maybe you're going through a year called scarred in your own life, and many and many are. What the joy stealer might be is that somehow because things are not going the way that you thought they would that somehow God's plan for you is now void and that is a joy stealer but it's also a lie because Mm -hmm. we serve a redeemer and a restorer and when I look at this last two years and I see what we've walked through Everything that I thought I was going to do, Denise, has not taken place. Mm. And yet, and yet, as I've walked with the Lord, as I've lived with Him, as well as for Him, but I've lived with Him, I've realized that He has allowed me to minister in a far greater way, far deeper way, far different way Mm. than what I had planned. Some of those have been behind doors. Some of those have been in hospital rooms. Um, We had a woman come to the hospital that I had not seen for probably 10 years. And when she heard about what was going on in our family, she showed up at the hospital. And I remember talking to her and the Holy Spirit just began to share with me, you know, his love. God's love for her. And when she left that room, she left as someone whose faith had been shattered. And she was actually very angry for us on our behalf of what we were going through. But to be able to talk with her about God's love for her right where she was at and what God was doing in our own life, you know, I realized in that moment, joy notice her, that somehow with my husband in a hospital bed with his chest, you know, newly healed from a double bypass, that the Lord chose that moment to draw a beautiful woman back into his arms 
in the midst of one of the hardest places of our life. And I found joy in that. Wow. You know, and so I, I, it's really important that we don't say this, that we don't, that we don't say in the midst of somebody's crisis, oh, well, God did this so that you can, you know, be a witness (laughs) to him. God grieves with you in the midst of loss. God grieves with you in the midst of that hard place, but he also is a redeemer. Mm -hmm. And somehow, some way in the midst of that, he will create these opportunities. They may look different. The timeline might be different than you yourself had planned out, but Mm -hmm. he will use that in a spectacular way as he loves you well, grieves with you, but he will, as you walk with him, he will provide these beautiful places where you're still doing exactly what you were called to do always. So good. I mean, everything he, he uses in our life for our good and his glory. And, and I just, I love that redemptive side that you bring out here. That is such an important point because we can feel like everything is all over. Forget it. This is awful. <laughs> We just want to have good things happen. But I'll tell you, that's when I felt the nearest to God. Yeah. Something something happens, you know, even the melanoma out of nowhere this year. uh, I I for sure wept before the Lord, but I then had this peace, you know, and this trust. I was was in pain and I'm not sure I I get this, but I know you're good. I know you're going to use it for my good now and your glory. Yes. One thing I was just going to share is that there's a world watching right now, Mm. us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. And Denise, many of us have lost our joy. And Mm. I look at that early church and I see them in the midst of persecution and in the midst of unfamiliar circumstances and a world looking on and saying, I don't know what it is, what it is that they have, but it's something good. And I want it too. I feel so called and compelled because this is not a book about cancer or a book about going through a hard place, even with my son. This is a book that says that, Jesus promised in John 15, 11, that not only could we have joy, but we could have his joy and our joy could be made complete in him. And there is a world watching and I feel a calling for us to return to lives marked by joy in the midst of whatever is going on. Genuine, true joy, not a mask, not pretense, so that the world looks on and says, oh, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I want some of that, too. Yes, that is a great witness, actually, you know, and it's authentic when it's authentic. You know, I think sometimes we can have our little masks on and no pun intended during a pandemic. Yeah. You know, we can be like, oh, I'm a Christian, you know, Jesus is good, love him. But then, you know, if you were with us throughout the whole day, are we embodying that joy? And I love that you talk about being a joy noticer. And so, you know, you you Mm -hmm. also have this 30-day devotional at the end of your book to help people start to live this out too. And this will help so many to keep joy and not just have it be a temporary feeling. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Right. I would just let you know that 
how you feel right now matters to God more than you can even imagine. And he's inviting you to share those feelings with him and to step into what you know and confront those joy stealers with the truth. Uh, this will not only impact you, it's a faith changer, it's a life changer, but it's also a world changer. Mm, I love that. Confront the joy stealers with the truth because our own hearts are deceitful, y'all. And some of the time, sometimes we let go of that joy and we need to just hold on to it by faith in Jesus Christ. So Susie, where can people find you and your book? Okay, they, they can find it on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, all the places, but they also can go to joykeeper.me and that will take them to a um, my website where they can find free chapters, some fun things to download that are free and they can purchase it right through any distributor right on that site. Awesome. Y'all come find that joy if you don't have it because God has it for you. And don't forget joykeeper.me. Thanks again, Susie, for being here. All right. I loved it. Thank you. You've been listening to the Seeing Deep podcast where we dive into the Word of God for the answers to life's problems. 